Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week we're joined by teaching team pastor Tammy Mauchin as we wrap up our series, In the Beginning. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. I'm excited about today's message because I believe it's important for our church and critical to the Jesus mission. Today we're talking about God's dream for men and women. Now, I think we've made significant progress in restoring God's dream for men and women, but I also think we have quite a ways to go. And guys, this message is important for you. And ladies, this message is important for you. And so today I've invited community's teaching team pastor, Tammy Melchin, to share with you on this important topic. So please give a warm Naperville Yellow Box welcome to Tammy Melchine. Hello. Well, good morning to all of you. It is so uh, good to be here with you this morning. And to start this morning, I want to share with you uh, the accomplishments of, of five historical figures. And I'm going to share the list of all five of them. At the end, I want to see if you can tell me what these five people have in common. All right? Okay, here we go. Individual number one. After treating injured Union soldiers on the battlefield during the Civil War, this person went on to found and serve as the first president of the American Red Cross. Okay, individual number two. A computing trailblazer. This person uh, invented one of the first easy-to-use computer languages, and it revolutionized the computer programming field. Okay, individual number three, this singer won 12 Grammys, was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and is considered one of the greatest jazz singers of all time. Okay, individual number four, this physicist won the Nobel Prize not once but twice for research that led to the discovery of radioactivity and the element radium. Okay, and lastly, individual number five. This person is the most acclaimed site-specific architect in America, known for such works as the, the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. Okay, that's our list of five accomplished individuals. And did you figure out what they all have in common? Anyone know? That's right, they are all women. Now, some of them you might know, some of them maybe you've never heard of. But, but they represent some of the major contributions women have made to different sectors of our society. Now, as Sherry said, today we are continuing in our series, In the Beginning. And during this series, we've been going back to the very beginning to discover God's dream for our world. You see, in the beginning, God had a dream. He dreamed that our world would be a community of oneness, of beauty, of wholeness. But sadly, we are very far from what God intended. As Christ followers, we are called to partner with God in helping restore his dream for this world. That's what this series has been about. How can we join God in his work of restoration? And today, we want to talk about God's dream for men and women. Who did he create us to be? How did he create us to relate to one another? Because let's face it, when it comes to men and women, things don't always go smoothly, 
Just ask our friends, Ray and Deborah Barone. Ray, it's getting late. Shouldn't you pack? Yeah, yeah. Watch it, boys. Watch the suitcase. <laughs> what? That, that suitcase has been sitting there for three weeks, and nobody wants to be the one to move it. I got you. But the thing is, I got a pack now, so I'm going to be the one who has to move the suitcase. I'll just do it. Hey, listen to me. If you move that suitcase, you might as well put on a dress and change your name to Daisy Mae Tinklepan. Ray, you got to leave soon. Are you going to get ready? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. It's all right, Deb. You don't need to pretend with me. I know all about the suitcase. I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, forget about it. Hey, looks like Ray forgot to date the suitcase with him. You ought to bring it up. <laughs> he had three weeks. <laughs> Why did they move that thing? Three weeks. At first, I thought he was just clueless, but if he talked to you about it, he knew what he was doing. Well, aren't you doing the same thing? No, this is completely different. I have to do everything around this house. If I don't do it, it doesn't get done. Well, that's because... Now, take it easy. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to be? I said take it easy. Now look, Ray lugged the suitcase around all weekend, but it's in the house now, all full of laundry, and it's all woman-y now. <laughs> so, you should move it. That's how it's supposed to be. Okay, now let me tell you something. If I'm the one that has to do the laundry, why should I be the one to drag that thing upstairs, huh? Isn't the man supposed to carry stuff? Isn't that the manly thing to do? <laughs> Obviously, you spent a lot more time thinking about this than I have. <laughs> All packed. See you later. <laughs> oh, I love that. So what is God's dream for men and women? What is his dream? Well, let's go back to the very beginning. In Genesis 1, we read, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, in the beginning, both men and women are created in the likeness of God. We are made in his image. Both men and women, we carry God's nature, God's characteristics. We, we both reflect something of what God is like. 
In theological terms, this is called the Imago Dei. Now, something interesting about this poem here in Genesis, in the original language of the Bible, human beings is spoken of as singular, meaning he created him, he created her. But it's also spoken of as plural, he created them. What this means is that, that I, as an individual, I reflect something of the image and the character of God. But we, as a community of men and women, together, we more fully we more fully reflect the image of God. Only in a community of human beings can we fully reflect the Imago Dei. Now let me make sure we understand something here when we talk about God's original dream for men and women here in Genesis. Let's understand that, that we're not talking about marriage. Okay, marriage is actually a great example of how the Imago Dei can be reflected, but, but God's dream for, for this partnership, it, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. He designed us to be partners in ruling the earth. Continuing in Genesis 1, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And that is what happened. That is what happened. You see, here in the beginning, Men and women are given the same commission to govern or reign or rule. No matter what walk of life we come from, no matter our gender, we are designed for this. We are created as equal partners and commissioned to carry out God's purposes in this world. But sometimes there's confusion about this. When we turn the page to Genesis 2, and we read another account of creation. Some think there is a hierarchy reflected there. We look at Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now what's the word there that causes the confusion? Helper. That's right, that helper. It says when God makes Eve, she is called a helper who is just right for for Adam, but what does this word helper actually mean? Well, the Hebrew word for helper is the word azer. Say that after me, azer, azer. Azer is a powerful military word that is used over a hundred times in the Old Testament in its various forms. And the vast majority of the times that is used, guess to whom it refers? It refers to God. It refers to God as our helper. It refers to God's strength and God's power. You see, Azer is about what help looks like. It's not about a hierarchy. The Azer is a warrior. You see, when God looked at Adam, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He needs a warrior. And so he created us, ladies. Women, we are called to be warriors. Turn to a woman next to her and tell her, you are a warrior. <laughs> you see, that is your calling. 
regardless of your age, regardless of your marital status or your circumstances, women are to be warriors for God alongside our brothers in Christ in carrying out God's purposes in the world. This was the world that God created. This is his dream, a world of partnership, a world of equality, a world of oneness. And when he stepped back and he looked at what he had made, he had said, it is very, very good. But sadly, sadly, this goodness did not last long. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they shattered God's dream for people. I mean, not only did sin separate us from God, Sin also had consequences in our relationship with one another. When God says this to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. He's not saying what was intended. He's not saying what things are, how things are supposed to be. He's describing what has now happened. Having one gender rule over the other is not God's dream for humanity. It's the result of the curse of sin. The systems of hierarchy began on this day, and I believe that it broke God's heart. Now, sadly, we still experience the effects of the curse to this day. We see it in examples such as women holding less than 5% of CEO positions in S&P 500 companies. We see it in approximately 63 million girls who are denied the right to education around our world. The UN estimates that as many as 200 million girls are missing from this world. 200 million girls missing because they were killed or aborted or abandoned simply because they were girls. The effects of the fall and the curse continue. We see it everywhere. Hi, Anne. Hi. Okay, so I'm going to just give you some actions to do. I'll just do the first thing that comes to mind. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Show me what it looks like to fight like a girl. <laughs> Now throw like a girl. Aw. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Throw like a girl. Fight like a girl. What does it mean to you when I say run like a girl? It means run fast as you can. So do you think you just insulted your sister? No. I mean, yeah, insulted girls, but not my sister. Is like a girl a good thing? Actually, I don't know what it really, if it's a bad thing or a good thing. It sounds like a bad thing. It sounds like you're trying to humiliate someone. It's kind of like telling them that they're weak and they're not as good as them. And what advice do you have to young girls who are told they run like a girl, kick like a girl, hit like a girl, swing like a girl? 
if somebody else says that running like a girl or kicking like a girl or shooting like a girl is something that you shouldn't be doing, that's their problem. Because if you're still scoring and you're still getting to the ball on time and you're still being first, you're doing it right. It doesn't matter what they say. I mean, yes, I kick like a girl and I swim like a girl and I walk like a girl and I wake up in the morning like a girl because I am a girl. And that's not something that I should be ashamed of. If I asked you to, to run like a girl now, would you do it differently? I would run like myself. Would you like a chance to redo it? How did like a girl come to be synonymous with less than or weaker than when it's supposed to mean like a warrior? Now, sadly, the effects of the curse aren't something that just have happened out there. They've happened in here. Throughout history, the church has fallen into patterns of hierarchy and limited opportunities for women to fully express the Imago Dei. I mean, too often the church has sidelined its warriors and not allowed them to lead or to teach. Too often the church has lived by the curse and not the dream. And in doing so, it's like we've tried to carry out the purposes of God without the use of one of our perfectly functioning good arms. You know, as a woman in vocational ministry, there are times when I've experienced the curse. There are times when I've uh, sat at the table with male pastors who made it very clear that they didn't think I belonged there. Uh, when I was fundraising to plant our Lincoln Square campus, I reached out to my home church, the church I grew up in, and I was told, first of all, don't refer to yourself as a pastor. Needless to say, they didn't financially support me. <laughs> it took me a long time to live into my calling as a teacher and a pastor, because there were so few models showing me the way. How can this curse be reversed? I mean, how can we restore God's dream for the world? Well, thankfully, someone came to show us how. One of my favorite interactions between Jesus and another person in Scripture is when Jesus encountered a woman who had suffered chronic bleeding for over a decade of her life. I mean, she tried everything to find a cure, and nothing would work. She was continually suffering. And, and understand that in that culture, it made her an outcast, because religious rules at the time would prohibit her from having any contact with other people, because she was considered unclean. And she's so desperate that when she hears about this rabbi who's going around performing miracles, I'm guessing that she probably thought to herself, hey, I've got nothing to lose. Well, on this one particular day, Jesus is on his way to the home of the, the ruler of the synagogue because his daughter was sick and he was going there to heal this daughter. I mean, this guy, this synagogue ruler, I mean, he was the important one. He was the one with status. And no doubt everyone would have thought, you know, Jesus, just get there quickly. Go to this man. But when the woman sees him working through the crowd, she takes a huge risk. And she maneuvers up behind him, and she grabs the hem of his robe. Now, Jesus feels power go out from, out of, from him. And, and he says, who touched me? 
which I always find a little interesting. After all, I mean, this is Jesus. I think he probably knew who touched him. But wouldn't it be just like him to want to acknowledge this woman publicly, to want to draw her out from behind the shadow of her pain and her shame? And, and he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Go in the wholeness that God intended for you from the beginning. See, Jesus took time to acknowledge this woman, to heal this woman. He offered her dignity and love. But this was just consistent with how Jesus repeatedly elevated women. In a culture that was steeped in the curse, where women were often only considered at best property, Jesus treats women according to the dream, according to the way that God always intended. I mean, Jesus, he first reveals himself as the Messiah to a woman. Women were included in his extended group of disciples. And women like Mary of Bethany were permitted to, to sit at his feet and learn alongside of the male disciples. I mean, something unheard of in that culture. When Jesus rose from the dead, he first appeared to a woman, even though in that day, her testimony wouldn't even have held any ounce of, of power or credibility in a court of law. You see, to Jesus, like a girl, would mean a person who is worthy of dignity and honor and respect, one who is created equally in the image of God. I mean, Jesus came to restore God's dream for the world, and that includes restoring God's dream for men and for women. See, I believe that Jesus demonstrated that the mission of helping people find their way back to God and restoring God's dream for this world will only be accomplished when we stop limiting ourselves to one arm and we free women to be who God created them to be. Jesus came to restore God's dream for men and women. The early Christian leaders, they saw that, they knew that. That's why Paul says this, he says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slaves or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Scott McKnight, one of the leading New Testament theologians of our day, says this about this passage. He says, in the same way that there was to be no cultural or racial distinctions and no social status prejudices, there was to be no sexual prejudice. You see, Jesus came to restore God's dream, including God's dream for men and women. But we all know that the restoration of God's dream is both a now and a not yet. And that's why we all have a role to play in restoring God's dream for men and women. I think this is the responsibility of anyone who believes all people were created equally in the image of God. If you are a Christ follower, the fact that women often don't have the same opportunities as men, that there are times that often women are not treated the same as men, we should see this as an injustice that we are called to reverse. So I want to call all of us today to help restore God's dream for men and women. And I have two specific challenges. The first challenge is this. Don't perpetuate the curse. Don't perpetuate the curse. Listen and look for the subtle and not so subtle ways that we contribute to prolonging the curse. I mean, using the phrase, like a girl, 
as an insult is just one example. Uh, overlooking women for leadership opportunities is another example. Let's call out the remnants of the curse when we see them in the church or in the culture or in ourselves and refuse to accept it as just the way it is. Let's live according to God's dream. Let's live according to how God intended. And challenge number two is partner to restore God's dream. To the women in the room, often we are the ones living by the curse. That voice inside of your head that tells you that you can't, that tells you that you don't belong, that tells you that you're not good enough, that voice is not from God. It's not. Let's stop living by the limitations of the curse. You may not have had enough role models showing you the way, but my charge to you today is to step into all God created you to be. You are made in the image of God. You are gifted for, for a purpose. You are a warrior. Step into all that God created you to be. And to the men in the room, it matters to us that you stand with us and that you stand for us like Jesus stood for the women in his day. Often you are the ones that, that hold positions of influence and power in the culture, in the church. I challenge you, I challenge you to use your position to help restore the dream of God. Listen to your sisters. Speak up for them. Advocate for them. When community was a young church, the leadership had to make some decisions regarding how they'd interpret scripture when it came to the issue of women in leadership. And I've heard from Dave and John that they knew that no matter which direction they took, uh, there would be people that disagreed with their findings. But they also knew that they had to stay true to what they believed God intended and how God wanted community to fulfill its vision, its, its mission. So after much prayer and research and seeking wise counsel, they reached the conclusion that God's dream was for both men and women to express their God-given gifts to the greatest extent, that opportunities to lead and serve would not be limited by gender, but, but, but based on giftedness and based on maturity. I mean, I am so thankful that community is a place where I'm able to use the gifts that God has given me to contribute to the mission. And I'm so thankful for my many sister warriors who God is using in a powerful way, even right here at the Yellow Box. I mean, people like Sherry Banky and Sue Ferguson leading in our small group ministry, Kathy Ives leading in Kid City, Evelyn Cortazio who leads us here in worship. I mean, people like Mary Ledden who has served on our leadership commission, Kirsten Strand and Amy Plummer who lead in Community 412, the many women who lead small groups and who lead ministry teams. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'm thankful for these leaders and the contributions that they're making to the mission. I'm, I'm grateful for the strides we've made in restoring God's dream for men and women. But we still have a long way to go. Let's not stop until every little girl who grows up in our church has the opportunity to fully develop and use the gifts that God has given her 
to carry out his purposes. And she laughs at the thought that there was once a time when her opportunity to contribute to the mission would have been limited by her gender. God has a dream for our world. Let's join him in restoring it. Pray with me. God, when we look at the world that you made, it is just an unbelievable place of beauty. And we know that your heart and your desire is that we would live the way you originally intended. God, that we would be a community of wholeness, of love, of oneness. God, as we've journeyed through this series, we know that we are far from your original dream. But God, thanks be to Jesus for restoring that dream and giving us the opportunity to partner with you and making it a reality here on heaven, here on earth as it is in heaven. God, show us the ways that we can partner with you in helping restore your dream for men and women. God, I pray for the women in this room that we would step up and become all that you created us to be so that we can serve alongside our brothers in every way that you intended. God, we reject the curse and instead we wanna live by your dream. It's in your name.